fellow adventurers, I'm Josie Thompson and welcome to You Can Shine podcast where I explore real stories of real people just like you and I who have faced adversities and trials and won. Today I'm here with Gillian Rickson, fondly known as Jindy. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest. I met Jindy at an Indigenous festival in Burley Heads in 2020 and we hit it off instantaneously. Our common interest and passion in traditional healing modalities and the earth established a sense of sisterhood that still makes my heart smile. Jindy has been on a journey for the past 27 years and it was a car accident five years ago which shook her world and created an important pivot point in her life. Jindy is mother to Sean, Anthony and Inda and grandmother to Malachi, Reuben and Jagger and expecting a baby granddaughter in 2022. A fun fact about Jindy is that she loves singing, yet everyone does not understand it as she actually sings in tongue. So welcome, Jindy. Thank you, Josie. Thank you for having me. So, Jindy, I've done a bit of a rundown on some parts of your life, but tell us your real story, the story underneath who is Jindy and what are some of the formative experiences that have shaped your life? Wow. Well, that's a big one. The real Jindy, she grew up in a house that was um, pretty messy a lot of the time. There was eight siblings. I had eight brothers and sisters very messy in that house mum suffered lots of um, mental health and addiction and my dad worked 24 7 so there was a lot of abuse from other family members and that continued until I was 12 and then I turned to a lot of alcohol and drugs to try and suppress what was going on in the house and what was going on with me as a child. And then by the time I was 15, my mum couldn't cope anymore. So she let me leave the house and I ended up in Sydney, King's Cross for two years. Mm. And that was, um, that was pretty hard, but at the same time, nothing in my story, I would change nothing because it has helped me to be the person I am today. I I have used what I've learned to put through into the services that I do today. So, Jindy, how old were you when you ended up at King's Cross? I was 15, 15 wow. to 17. Mm. Yeah, saw lots of things. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'm sure. So what happened yeah. after that? Where did your life take you then? Well, my life took me on my 17th birthday, how I got off the streets was I actually walked past a shop and I wanted out. I had tried, I was an seen and witnessed many things, as you could imagine. And on my 17th birthday, I walked past a shop and a date and I realised it was actually my 17th birthday. So I went to a gutter. I sat down and I started crying and I wanted to end my life that day or whatever it was to get off the streets. 
And this is, I believe, in the divine timing of walking miracles. A man came and sat next to me and put his arm around me and I told him, you know, where to go and I was angry and I thought he wanted just one thing and he said, no. He said, I can see you're in trouble. What do you need? And I said, I want out. And he actually pulled out, I think it was seven cents in those days for the phone box, a five cent and a two cent piece. And he said, there's a phone box, go and call someone. The only person I remembered the phone number for was my eldest sister. So I rang her and she arranged my auntie to come and pick me up from the street. And I went then and lived with my auntie for 12 months. And she just sat with me for 24-7 for 16 weeks or around four months Mm. and got me off all the drugs, all the alcohol. Um, And for 12 months then I lived with her. And by then I had had a job, got my licence, got myself a little home unit, like a flat to live in, to rent. And, yeah, I sort of gathered my life back really from there wow that's huge it's such a young age like what did you yeah. tap into like what was it that helped you turn it all around and not just give up I think it was the belief in um well obviously my spirit something triggered in me that I was more than just this human body that was so broken because I knew that that deep down Most people would have died, I'm going to say that word, most people would have died through the experiences I had experienced Mm. and yet I somehow kept standing back up. Somehow my spirit just kept me here right to the point where that man sat next to me on the gutter that day and I truly believe he, because when I actually phoned my sister, I turned around to thank this man and say my sister's on the phone I was so excited to hear her voice and he had disappeared he has Mm. gone so that to me was like this wow he was like a miracle worker Mm. and I didn't you know I had never been brought up with spirituality in my Mm. family Mm. but something in me knew that there was something more than just my human body Mm. that could help us to get through things and that I have called on many many times since the same you know it's been part of my resilience I guess I don't Mm. know well this is an interesting point because it sounds like before that you didn't really have a concept of spirit or belief when all of a sudden you're in the depth of despair you're angry you're frightened you've had enough you're about to give up And then you tap into something that actually Mm. compels you to not give up. Was it a word? Was it a sound? Was it a voice? Or was it just a feeling within you that you actually connected with? And how did you do that? I really feel definitely a feeling. Mm. And um, it was like this inner knowing, actually. It was more like, something inside of me I felt like something and I've felt it since because that's been my way in life since I feel like it's a switch almost like an on off switch Mm. and I realized that I have the choice to either turn it on or turn it off to listen to it or to ignore it 
And every time I have ignored it or turned it off and pushed it away, that's when trauma strikes again. Mm-hmm. So now I just know when I feel that feeling, I go forward with whatever it is, it's in the positive of that, like mm. rather than turning it off or ignoring it or pushing it away. Mm. So where do you feel it? In my gut, my stomach. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So so you've you've recovered from there. What happens after that to you? Well, I live with my auntie, like I said, and I pulled mm. my life together mm. really well. And then I went on a blind date <laughs> and met my boy's father, who um, I was, you know, at the end of my 17th year. So almost 18, I think I was um, when I met the boy's dad, because mm-hmm. my boys, they're 35 and 33, nearly 34 now. Um, that was a very dysfunctional domestic violence relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, he has passed over since, but um, yeah, he, he ended up, there was some jail time that he spent from domestic violence. It was very abusive, but it, it, I understand it now because I still hadn't done a lot of healing from my trauma in the past. So naturally mm-hmm. I'm only going to attract more trauma, mm-hmm. you know, and I so, get that now. So you guys were together for some period of time, having those three children together. I had just the two boys with him. Mm-hmm. That's he only had. I, he was the father of my two sons because mm-hmm. they are thirty-five and thirty-three, and my mm-hmm. daughter's only fifteen, just turned okay. fifteen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we were together for almost ten years. I think it was like nine years and three months or something. So what did you need to overcome in all of that? What was the greatest test in that relationship? Uh, once again, a near-death experience. He had a shotgun. It was before the shotgun laws came out and our court case was actually one of the reasons the gun and amnesty started back in the 90s. So we went through the family court and had a trial and all that sort of stuff. So it was a near-death experience once again. The last night I was with him, I just prayed to spirit that, Mm. you know, the boys and I got out of that house safe. And we did. That must have been terribly frightening for you. Once again, yes, it was. But it Mm. wasn't surprising to me either because it was such a comfortable part of my life was to experience trauma. Well, comfortable or familiar. Familiar, yeah. Mm. And comfortable in a way because I really thought that's what I deserved. How did you turn that around? So it sounds like the next day, did you leave? How did you find the courage to leave? Like what was it that you, again, tapped into to give you the strength and courage to do what you needed to do? I just woke up the next day. He had kept us in the house for 21 days as Mm. hostage. So the next day after that, I thought I did not sleep that night at all, but all night I kept praying to spirit, just show me an answer. How can I get out of this? And we lived in a remote rural village in New South Wales at the time. Mm. So the next day I got up and got dressed, had a shower, got my boys ready for school and pretended that we were just, nothing had happened Mm -hmm. and I'm just going to get on with my day as normal as possible and I'm going to take the boys to school and kindergarten at the time. 
I was going to go to work because I hadn't been to work in that 21 days. At the time, I was actually a beautician. Mm -hmm. So I just got up and got dressed and got ready and made the lunches for the boys, drove them to school, drove them to kindergarten. And then I arrived at my job. And my boss at the time looked at me and she said, my God, what the hell has happened? And mm. I just said, I need help. Um, I've got something in my pocket to prove what has happened because I actually had recorded the night before mm. on an old cassette tape. Mm. And she said, are you okay? Because she could clearly see that I was quite abused. Um, and I said, no, I need help. I need help. And mm. then she called the police and then they came to the salon where I was working Wow! and okay. then they took me to the police station and okay. it went from there. Mm. Yeah. So, so what were the biggest lessons for you from all of that experience? Well, now I know definitely I was not worth all of that type of treatment but at the same time I have learnt that we on some level, it all happens for us and not mm. to us. Mm. You know, now I can say this because I've worked through my victimhood in this situation or these situations. Mm. But um, I, I really just now, I just love my body. I love my heart. I love my personal boundary space. I've learned personal boundaries as well. And learning to work off at um, the boundary spiral, uh, which some of the original people of the country here, they've taught me how to use this. Beautiful. So you, yeah. So it's just been a lifelong lessons mm. that have taught me time and time again to honestly and truly love who I am as I am mm. and for where I've been. But, yeah, the red flags as well, you know, mm. I ignored so many red flags. Jindy, mm. this is a common experience for many people. You know, this is something that, and you've probably realised this yourself, that yeah. you know, these, are, these are things that people experience and don't often talk about. But this is where we find our commonality, our, our humanity and our shared experience that becomes this unspoken secret because we don't dare share these stories because we feel ashamed or we feel yeah. bad in some way. And I really want to acknowledge your courage in sharing, you know, so vulnerably and so authentically your real story with us because I know that we're both really committed to enabling and empowering and resourcing people to really no longer be the victim of circumstance and to be able to stand again and yeah. take charge of their lives. So, you know, what are, what are some yeah. of the nuggets of wisdom that you would like to leave our audience with today? My nuggets of wisdom is to never feel that you can't ask for help, mm -hmm. you know, if you come from trauma child, you're normally grown up as a tough kid mm. and you're, you know, it's just not a thing to reach out and ask for help because mm. you've had to learn to be a survivor. Mm. So now when I feel that I am, you know, whether I feel like I'm drowning a little bit or something's going on in life, I've learned to have a few very select 
people in my life that mm. I can turn to mm. and to trust. And that was a learning lesson, who to trust mm. in that. Mm. But I do have probably four to five people now mm. that I know at any time and because life's still not perfect, there's still a lot goes on, mm. I can reach out and be respected. Mm. I learned to respect myself mm. at the same time. So, um, and compassion, you know, we could all turn nasty from these bad experiences. And I started to look around at the people who had had trauma, mm. some of my siblings, mm. and they're still stuck in addiction and mm. traumatic relationships and things where I turned mine to compassion, mm. but first compassion to my own heart. And now I've learned to share it with others. Beautiful. Um, but I yeah. think that's where our deepest healing really occurs when we realise that, you know, the relationship that we most need to cultivate is that love within ourselves. Sure is. That's the space that, that we then mirror out into the world around us. Yeah, is, for sure. Is there anything else you'd like to impart with our listeners today? Everyone's good enough. You know, mm. we beat ourselves up for not doing this and not being here and not having this and not doing this and, you know, take a breath. Mm. Life is huge. Mm. And I just sit back now and go, wow, here I am. Mm. Where can I go from here? Or what does it feel like right now? Rather mm. than trying to go, what can I get? Or what mm. can I do? It's hang on. Here I am right now and I put my hands on my body constantly. Mm. If I feel anxiety, overwhelmed, I would just put my hand over my heart or on my womb space, like just on my tummy. Mm. And whether I'm in a shopping centre or a sports event or overwhelmed with a lot of people around me, I just actually put my hand gently on my own body and take mm. a breath. And that just straight away just brings me back to, oh, here I am. It's okay. Mm. So, yeah. That's beautiful. That's one of, that's, that's one of my go-to practices as well. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. If people um, want to connect with you or want to know more, where yeah. can we direct them? Okay. So I do have a service called mm -hmm. Nanyara Spirit 333, mm -hmm. which is a place of healing, mm -hmm. whether it's your own body, Mm -hmm. um, a place wherever and also my email address I do keep things really simple I don't have um, websites and things yeah. I do have a Facebook page on Nanyara Spirit 333 where I advertise any circles or events that I hold Beautiful. Well, I'll make that, sure. I'll make sure yeah. all of that's in the the show notes for people. Great. Yeah. Jindy, Thank what you, a, What an inspiration and you know, magnificent light you are in the world. You've really shown us that no matter what the circumstances, you really can rise and shine again. So thank you so much. You sure can. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Now, if Jindy can do it, so can you. Did you like yes. this podcast? Share your comments with us down at the bottom here and tell us what you loved about this interview and how it was helpful for you. Help spread the love by sharing the link with your friends so that they too can rise and shine as well. So until next time, remember, it's not what happens to you that defines you. It's how you respond that counts. Shine on. You can shine.